Praise God. We welcome you once again to our online service and we trust that the Lord will bless you. As usual, we like to make sure that we grant you an opportunity to prepare your heart and to listen to music that lifts your soul. Enjoy. Yeah, boy. 
Hallelujah. I believe that blessed your heart. And we're now ready to look at the message, um, cultivating hope in a time of crisis. This is part number four. And it's really our final part for this particular uh, short series of teaching. This message has seen us start in Isaiah 43. In part number three last week, we read Isaiah 41, verse 8 and 9. Today, we will be focusing a little more on verse 9 since we uh, exhausted verse number 8. But I will read both. Nevertheless, I'll also read a companion passage uh, that now adds another perspective to our message. So let me commence at uh, Isaiah 41, verse number 8, verses number 8 and 9. But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. That was our focus for last week. Verse number 9, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its furthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. I will actually add verse number 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. So do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Let me invite us now to the companion passage that adds an extra perspective to our message today. It's a passage in Psalm, and we're reading Psalm 2. The Bible says there, Verse number one onwards, why do the nations conspire? Why do the peoples plot in vain? Another version says, why do the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. Hallelujah. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me. And I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. It's a very substantial passage. 
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to preface this time together with the reading, the substantial reading of your word. Now I ask that you grant us the ability to convey the things that you intend to convey to your people. We seek these mercies in Jesus' holy name with thanksgiving. Amen. Praise God. Cultivating hope in a time of crisis. Part number four. As I said earlier, this is the final portion of a teaching that commenced in Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3. I indicated then that the three aspects for consideration in this message of cultivating hope in the face of crisis were requiring us to understand what we were defining the word cultivate to mean. And we must recall that our understanding of the word cultivate is to nurture or help grow. So this is about nurturing something that is actually probably present in your heart. And if not present, which God will place in your heart today as you listen to his word. Many times there is a, a, a small flicker of hope deep inside, a small portion, a small aspect, a small uh, percentage, if you will, of hope. It's lingering in the heart because God is with us. But we need to nurture it and grow it as we listen more to his word. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I want us to recall our definition for hope as the feeling of wanting something to happen and thinking that it could happen. A feeling that something good will happen or be true. I said at the time, I say again, this is in public domain. This is what you find in the English dictionary regarding the word hope. It's an optimistic attitude of mind based on an expectation or desire. In biblical terms, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength lies in his faithfulness. That's very important for us. So, we looked at three aspects. One, the question of relationship. Two, the question of purpose and destiny. And thirdly, which was largely in part number three of this message, we looked at the question of service and mission. And we're continuing on that path today, considering the question of service and mission. Now, having considered the question of service and, and mission, um, having began to consider the question of service and mission, I, I, I dealt with the question of service as follows. Because this is something that's needing us to look at two parts. Service and mission. And concerning service, I said, by definition, service is about going beyond personal needs and wants. How you can be able to make someone's life better. And if you're considering the question of, of service, that's what you need to be thinking about. Once you have that disposition in life, mission grows naturally, or shall I say, 
in some cases, supernaturally out of that endeavor. Because service gives you that disposition to do something more, and that becomes mission. The action of doing something or working for someone else is service. To be determined to go ahead and fulfill that becomes mission. In the scriptures, the principal understanding of service is derived from um, the very fact that uh, God discusses um, servanthood and uh, the question of service within the Old Testament and uh, the, the New Testament. And we said one of the expressions that, that God uses to hook us on to that understanding of service is when he begins to describe his own. For instance, he describes those whom he calls and gives them a mission as servants of God. And we say that that kind of uh, occurrence is, is quite prominent in the Old Testament. We picked on specific, nine specific times, five in the Old Testament and four in the New Testament. And, and in, in, in those arrangements, we did mention that the Hebrew root in the Old Testament is avoda. And avoda literally means work, worship, or service. Not just all, but and service. Work, worship, and service. Now, in Isaiah 41, which is where we were dwelling on uh, in, in part number three, beginning there, running all the way up to Isaiah 53, the whole question of servant, um, the, the, the service that we're discussing, is extremely significant. The term servant is extremely significant. So significant that sometimes God uses it to refer to the nation. Other times he uses it to refer to individuals. And the nation of Israel, for instance, was referred to as God's servant. And then there were individuals that God would call and he referred to them as his servant. But it is so critical um, critically handled in, in those passages uh, between Isaiah 41 and Isaiah 53. In that context, I did say, and I'd like to say again, the term specifically refers to, and I quote, one who occupies a special position in God's royal administration of his kingdom, end quote. So that's the reason why he would refer to his servant Moses, his servant David, and many other things that we discussed. And in those instances, the term servant carries uh, a very strong idea of one who is giving that service particularly to God, and it becomes as, as good as, as, as worship. Fast forwarding into the New Testament, we observe the fact that there's a companion term there, to the term servant, the term Avoda, which is in the Old Testament, the Hebrew root, the Greek term in the New Testament that has an equivalent import is the term dilos. And we said in, these, in, in the instances of usage in the New Testament, it carries the idea of humble nobility, humble nobility. So uh, the disposition is one of, 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 of humility and yet with great, with great honor. And Paul, a servant of the Lord, a born servant of the Lord. And we mentioned all those things. All said and done, our message boiled down to two propositions. Proposition number one, 
the true service is transformational. And proposition number two was that true service is relational. And having established those two propositions with some fair amount of elaboration, we're ready for the third proposition. Service, true service is missional. So true service is not only transformational, true service is not only relational, true service for God is missional. What do we mean? The term missional in the biblical context um, refers us to the mission of God. Whenever we hear the term missional within theological considerations, it has a direct context with God's mission. So when you talk about the church being missional, it's about the church and its alignment to God's mission in the earth. It's about people and their alignment to God's plan and ultimate desire to save and salvage mankind. So then, in theological uh, contexts, you will hear of uh, terminology like missio dei. Missio dei, a Latin uh, phrase meaning the mission of God, God's overall plan to redeem mankind. I would like to suggest to you and I that for all intents and purposes, you must seek to connect to God's purposes. You must seek to connect to God's plan. When you connect with God's plan, you learn to utilize his resources. And his resources are primarily spiritual. And of course, some of them are manifested and given to us uh, physically within this material realm. But they're primarily spiritual. And that is why Paul the Apostle wrote to the Corinthians and said, for instance, when he was talking about uh, utilizing God's resources in a spiritual battle, he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, wicked powers in the high places. And I dare say in this day and time, while we face this uh, physically manifested challenge and crisis of COVID-19, and we are responding and to it physically, materially, in so many ways, we're responding by getting to know what we need to do to make sure that we keep the infection away from us and that we keep ourselves safe and others safe, and all these things are important. We're responding uh, by taking, uh, making sure that our society is um, isolating those who have um, tested positive for COVID-19 and they're being looked after by those whom we have already been celebrating as, as frontliners, these, 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 these very, very committed health workers who are giving their time and their lives and some in the process even uh, contracting uh, the, the very virus or the very infection. We, we, while we talk about all those things and they are important, we are seeing those as the physical, material expressions and manifestations of the crisis we face. But today, as I talk about true service being missional, 
I would like to draw us to the fact that there is a way in which we can utilize spiritual resource. Now, people make fun of the spiritual resource, and some have actually been taunting uh, those they consider men of God or people of God, and they're saying, where are you now? Why can't you go out there and pray for the people who are unwell? You see, you cannot, by virtue of the fact that uh, we, you don't have any people physically going into those locations to lay hands, and we can't even do that on those who are unwell, you cannot, by the same token, think that there's nothing being done spiritually about this particular pandemic. A lot is being done. In our homes, we are praying. We sense the commission from God that there is need for us to pray. And while people may think that prayer is not achieving anything, I must say to you, I must announce to you that this thing could be worse if God was not in fact helping us. Right now in places where the numbers are turning, it's not just about the, the, the medical intervention, which is very important. You know very well that at the moment there is no cure and there is no antidote yet, there is no, um, uh, uh, no vaccine yet, so uh, and what are they using in terms of treatment? We know that there are very, various therapies that they are utilizing and so on, but above all these things, you must understand that as we pray for our loved ones who are actually unwell right now and have tested positive for COVID-19, uh, you must understand that God is answering prayer. God is aiding us and bringing recoveries by the day. And there is an answer to prayer. There is a spiritual resource. And I would like to call upon God's people. Never get discouraged. Do not think that there is nothing happening. God is hearing our prayers. And I can assure you, there is going to be a place where this thing will be completely behind us. Do not get discouraged. Do not listen to the voices of those who think that prayer is now attaining nothing. Prayer is in all respects therapeutic. As a pastor, I am talking to people. I know of people right now who have recovered. And, and then when they, when they come out of there, they tell you how much God helped them. We are hearing those stories. And those are testimonies of the fact that prayer works because each of these loved ones are recipients of God's power and answer to prayer as we are remembering them. So let me encourage the church of Jesus Christ all over the world for you to understand this is the place to take your position and observe the fact that we have resources that are spiritual and we can be able to serve our nation through the mission of God, we can now turn missional by understanding that God seeks to touch people and make their lives better. That God seeks to heal physically, yes. He also seeks to save spiritually and bring people into a place of, um, of understanding that he cares. So prayer is still a resource. And God said in, in Psalm 2, which we read earlier, and verse number 8, he said, ask of me and I will give the nations. So this is a time, beloved, for us to ask God. Let's ask God for healing. Let's ask God for survival of the nations. Let's ask God for the survival and recovery of our economies. Can you imagine the impact that we face right now? It won't just take the best of economists because if it all just relied on our wonderful and well-meaning economists, we, we wouldn't be where we are at. But when you have an unusual uh, calamity coming, a pandemic such as COVID coming, it has impacted our economies. And the stock markets are simply responding. This is how real it is. Things are out of our hands. But there is one thing that you and I can rely on. We can present 
these particular circumstances, including our, our ailing economies, into the hands of the Lord. And God will work again. Of course, he can give the ingenuity back into the hands of our economists and so on. And, and the best that can happen will continue to happen. We must rely on him for that wisdom. But I, I dare say to our nations out there, that we must never underrate or underplay and we must never be at a place where we're causing it to look like now prayer doesn't mean anything because everything is stopped. No, 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 no. Nothing is stopped. We may not be meeting in our churches, but in our homes we're praying. We are lifting up our voices to the King of Kings who only is able to turn things around. Right now, as I say to you, he understands what has gone on. We may have all these questions about what has gone on with, with, um, uh, with COVID-19 where did it all come from? I can tell you that God knows. And he will sort out those who, in case they are those who uh, may have been completely behind everything that we're doing right now. I, in his time, he will sort that out. He's able. But I'm calling the church of Jesus Christ to a place of utilizing those spiritual resources. True service is missional. So I'm suggesting here that under these undercurrents that we face, in the day of COVID-19, must be spiritually addressed. We must continue to do that. So in other words, all said and done, we must be preoccupied with God's missional agenda. I want to give three reasons why this must be so. Three reasons why this must be so. And we'll pick up these reasons from verse number 9 of Isaiah chapter 40. One, and then we're also going to pick up those reasons from a few other portions of Scripture as we come back, especially to the companion passage of Isaiah 41, which is Psalm number 2. Verse number 9. I took you from the ends of the earth. From the furthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. Verse number 10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. He's a spiritual resource where God is saying he will strengthen us. So we must be preoccupied with God's mission or agenda. And like I said, here are three reasons why. Reason number one, because God's mission or agenda secures us. That's what we have just read here. God's mission or agenda secures us. When he says, do not fear, that's security. When he says, I will help you, that's security. When he says in verse 10, do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. That's security. Ah, may it be your portion today. And I want to encourage you to know that in a time when you, lose, you may be losing hope, and thinking that your loved one is gone. I want you to continue to pray because that loved one who is in isolation, God is able to help them. There is a power that is higher and bigger than any of these machines that we have invented, invented which actually sustain our lives. God is a master ventilator and he can sustain your loved one, he can sustain you. His missional agenda 
secures us. I think of Isaiah 26, verse 3 to 4. The Bible there says, and I quote, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. This is from the New Living Translation. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. The eternal rock. God's missional agenda secures you, beloved. Let that be your portion in Jesus' name. Secondly, God's missional agenda satisfies us. In Isaiah 58, verse 11, the word of God says, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Ah, COVID-19 is scorched space. It's burnt all of us. We felt the scorching of that flame or that, or, or the scorching of, of, of those rays, if we put it like it's the, it's the sun. We felt that scorching. And yet, the Lord is preserving us. He says, in scorched places, he makes your bones strong. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. This is a promise from God. God's mission or agenda satisfies us. That's the second reason why we must be preoccupied with God's mission or agenda. Understanding that service is missional. The third item regarding God's mission or agenda is that it sharpens us for constructive engagement in society. God's mission or agenda sharpens us for constructive engagement in society. Here, I must read Jeremiah chapter 50. Very important indeed. And then I will elaborate and begin to um, make some necessary applications. In Jeremiah chapter 50, reading at verse number 25, the Bible says, the Lord has opened his arsenal and brought out weapons of his wrath. For the sovereign Lord Almighty has work to do. That's amazing. In the New International Version, it says, he has work to do in the land of the Babylonians. Very, very important. Let me take you to another passage. Isaiah 51. And reading at verse number 20. God's mission or agenda sharpens us for constructive engagement in society. In, in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 21, he talked about putting out his arsenal. Because he has work to do. 
So God is deploying. It's a very beautiful picture. Stay with me. Now, he turns to and indicate the fact that that arsenal are his people, his church, you and I. He says in verse 20 of, of Jeremiah 51, you are my war club. War club. In other version, it says you are my weapon for battle. You are my war club, my weapon for battle. With you, I shatter nations. With you, I destroy kingdoms. With you, I shut a horse and rider. With you, I shut a chariot and driver. With you, I shut a man and woman. With you, I shut a old man and youth. With you, I shut a young man and maiden. With you, I shut a shepherd and flock. With you, I shut a farmer and oxen. With you, I shut a governors and officials. Before your very eyes, I will repay Babylon. And all who live in Babylon for all the wrong they have done in Zion, declares the Lord. Here is a scenario, beloved. God's mission or agenda, I said, sharpens us for constructive engagement in society. So God has that agenda within society. And he positions his, he positions his people to engage constructively. And that's God's view of mission. This is what properly describes what we consider within theological circles as integral mission. The integration of the proclamation of God's word, God's love through the gospel and the demonstration of the same through compassion and justice, through the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. So when God is displayed, deploying his people, his church, how be it now, out in the community and not in specific buildings as people are largely used to seeing it, God has deployed his church. His mission agenda is integral. Integral in the sense that it's got several sides to it. In this case, two sides. There is the proclamation where within our homes, in our community and online as we're doing now, we continue to proclaim the word. But in demonstration, the same word of God is demonstrated through our acts of compassion and justice and the manifestation of the power of God. It is a way of you and I beginning to understand that we perceive our role as being missional. The church is in the world to do God's work. We not here just as a social club and if it was all just about social distancing we would be finished right now but when we are deployed in the fashion that God has deployed us we still have a mission in the locations where we're socially distanced from one another and if the people who have done this thing that has caused the virus to work the way it is working think that they have pulled God's church down they are very mistaken I hear prophetically uh, indicate to us as nations that God's agenda is in the workings. God's plan in the earth is in the workings. It is a way of understanding that you and I as disciples of Christ can deploy. Wherever we are, we are deploying. Evidence is there, distinctively there in the scriptures that when God's people take their place and they are aware of why God is doing certain things, they become effective. When we talk about integral mission, 
It's not just mere jargon of having some formula or some strategy, but this is about being rooted in the basics of the gospel. That is what the mission of God is. This is about that which comes out of us from God and brings transformation to society. This is about us being salt and light to the nations. All as followers of Christ, we have received what God has given to us. When we think of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, He has given some to be pastors, bishops, and, uh, and prophets, and teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of God's people to do the works of the ministry. So child of God, wherever you're at, we're in your seclusion. Find ways of, of, of putting out God's word. The church has simply gone into the homes and we will come back together. But even now we are together. We are tied together. Heaven is looking after what's going on. And if we're an infantry here on earth, there is a power from on high that is giving us all an opportunity to understand God is not done with humankind. I must let you know that the economy so of our day and time, the scientists, if we think that this is foul play and this is this whole virus is a biological weapon, whatever happened in some laboratories is being said, whether in Wuhan or somewhere else around the world, I want you to know that it is nothing in the face of God. God's plan in the end will still come to pass. And I must assure the true church of Jesus Christ out there, do not fear, do not weaken, do not worry. Keep your eyes looking up. We are the salt of the earth. In Luke 9, verse 2, the Bible says he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And yes, even our COVID sick today are receiving healing by God's grace. He is able. The message was that the kingdom of God is here. That's what Jesus said at that time. And it was to be communicated in word and deed and sign. And at this time when we engage in uh, integral mission, we're talking about demonstrating God's word through our compassion and the proclamation of his love. But we're also talking about demonstrating the fact that God came from on high and through his incarnate son, Jesus Christ, he demonstrated that he loves you and I. He took your place and took my place. Integral mission has to do with the proclamation, and the demonstration. Sometimes people, even within the church, I'm a little bit confused about this. And sometimes there's a veneration of just proclamation. Sometimes there's a veneration of uh, the demonstration. And sometimes in some circles, demonstration is thought to be just uh, signs and wonders where uh, the lame walk and the sick are healed and, and blind eyes see, the deaf hear. Yeah, that's part of the sign. And those are signs and wonders. The demonstrations of the spirit, the demonstration of the spirit's power. But when you talk about God's mission, God's the service, true service of God, being for service for God, being missional and demonstrated in this life, it's also about the demonstration of God's love. The argument, therefore, should not be when you look, for instance, at a plane. You can't say, okay, the plane has two wings. Uh, which one? Which wing is more important, the left one or the right one? You, you can't say that. A better question would be, surely, where is the plane going? Because then it becomes an issue of mission. Integral mission is a holistic arrangement where both proclamation of the gospel and demonstration of the gospel becomes important. Both are important. Evangelism and social engagement, both working side by side. And so, let me uh, quote for you 
a statement that was done by a number of men of God, theological scholars in 2001 in Oxford. This has been known as the Oxford Statement on the Integral Mission of the Church, and I quote, Integral Mission is our proclamation, means that our, is our proclamation. It means that our proclamation has social consequences. As we call people to love and repentance in all areas of life and our social involvement has evangelistic consequences as we bear witness to the transforming power or grace of Jesus Christ. Let me pick that up again. Rather, in integral mission, our proclamation has social consequences. As we call people to love and repentance in all areas of life, and our social involvement has evangelistic consequences as we bear witness to the transforming grace of Jesus Christ. That is the Oxford 2001 statement on integral mission. This is how we engage. This is how we engage in the society. We evangelize, but we also have a social engagement so that the love of God is demonstrated in the lives of people. During these days, beloved, reach out to someone near you. You may not see them physically, but you are attached and connected to them electronically. Rather than spreading and forwarding stuff that doesn't really build, pick up the gospel and forward it to somebody. Show them the love of Jesus Christ. Keeping this in mind, I want us to epitomize everything else now by going to Psalm number two as our final portion of uh, the message. In Psalm two, we read, why do the nations conspire and the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Since we said God is actually deployed through his church and by his awesome presence, but visibly through all those whom he has assigned here on earth, he has deployed himself missionally to do his work. He has an agenda. What is being said in Psalm 2 suggests that there is definitely a contrary agenda. There are ways in which this agenda works itself politically, works itself economically, works itself socially, works itself psychologically. And right now during COVID, this agenda is working itself against God psychologically through fear mongering that, is, that keeps going around. That's, a, that's, that's an agenda of the enemy, the enemy, Satan, trying to work against God's agenda in the earth. And so, at these various layers of life, there are ways in which nations position themselves to try and pull down the agenda of God. And I want God's people in the church to be aware that this is what's happening. These things happen in the background. So let's boil it down to issues surrounding COVID-19. Whatever it is that may have happened from the very beginning, the very source of this pandemic, and there are many questions that are being asked and we may never know 
while on this side of heaven. But whatever the subsisting uh, situation, I want you to know that if this agenda is meant against the agenda of God, we know it from God's word. We know it from God's word that he wins. So what should our role be? Verse, that's where verse number eight comes in. Ask of me. You and I must now go to God and ask. Ask him for his intervention. Ask him to expose every manipulation and wrong that could be going on in the background. And he's able. Ask him for the manifestation of his love and, and power so that those who are working hard to try and turn this around genuinely would receive his help and society can begin to recover. Let's ask him that if there are any evil intentions regarding even what is announced as good, uh, the finding a vaccine and so on, but if there are evil intentions around that, ask God that God would disturb those experiments in the name of Jesus so that no further harm would come to humanity. We know very well that there are questions around some of these, uh, uh, the, these um, programs that have gone on around the world. This is the reality. It's a conversation we must have and we must not be made to fear because this is a world in which all of us must experience God's power, his grace and love. So he says, ask of me and I will give the nations as an inheritance for you, the ends of the earth for your possession. So God is telling us to ask him because true service True service is missional and his missional agenda, God's missional agenda enables us to deploy uh, constructively, to, to, to be sharpened for deployment constructively into society. We can take that position, that prophetic position as God's people. Therefore, listen to what God says to kings, to, to people who are in authority, people who are running the show now, while everybody else is acquiescing and wondering what's happening. There are people in the background, economically, who may be gaining right now. If they're doing so for their own selfish means, I must tell you it's a question of time. God will catch up with them. What we seek from every nation, from every institution today, is a genuine engagement that is truly going to not only reverse the negatives that have been brought about by COVID-19, but a commitment where as we go forward, there will be uh, a demonstration of the fact that we have learned bigger lessons and we will learn to treat one another better as human beings. We will learn to, uh, to, to uh, desire each other better and we will learn to work in much more honestly for the common good of humanity because true service is missional and it enables us to get into where God is at. Dear friends, today I've taken time to lead us through some very key issues and the last one of which was the fact that I was suggesting that we must be preoccupied with God's agenda. And the reason why we must be preoccupied with God's agenda is threefold. Number one, because God's missional agenda secures us. Number two, because God's missional agenda satisfies us. Number three, because God's missional agenda sharpens us for constructive engagement in society. You are the salt and you are the light. 
God wants to use you and He wants to sustain you. And we are here to help you make that happen. So in just a moment, I'll come back and I want to talk to those who want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I'd like to offer prayer for anyone else who is in need. Be blessed with this song. You said you are my guide, oh God. Things are so hard in my life, oh God. I don't know Even what to do. I don't know where to turn to, oh God. Because you are like a man, all in all. I cannot do it with my strength, oh God. Knowing the voice of God. Chile mune kawanaka, na yamalwele wapitamo. Vashinganga umunse wapita. Vakweva wala loba Ukwete fio mwaka umbo Umulandu wa maluele Lelonde kulete lesu vilo Mugumi wole Tontonka nyapa mulopa Uwapa kawari Takwawe chofilwa Takwawe maluele winda mwilwa
Praise God. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity. I want to help you. So right where you are right now, you can talk to Jesus and he will hear you. And if you'd like to receive him, I would like you to recite this prayer, which I make really just to help you. And if you mean every word of this prayer, you follow me, you will actually have an experience with God just now. Say after me, dear Lord, I come to you as a sinner. I realize that I've gone away from your commandments. Today, I've heard my voice. I've heard your voice speaking to me, calling me back to you. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I am sorry that I have lived such a life away from you. I confess my sins. I repent and I turn away from all my sins. I open the door of my heart. I invite you, Jesus, to come inside my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. So that from today onwards, I will be your child. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sins. Help me now to live a holy life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My dear friend, if you've prayed that prayer, I ask you to go to our website, www.notmidassembly.org or visit any of our um, social media platforms and somebody will be ready to help you so you can walk this journey and become who God wants you to be. And for everybody else, I assure you, God sees you right where you're sitting or wherever you are at, wherever you've been watching us from, or wherever you've been listening to this message from, in case you followed it by radio. I want to pray for his further visitation so that your situation will be turned around. So let us pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you gave us to proclaim your most exalted word. Your people have heard you. You are missionally deployed around them and in them. I ask now, Lord, that they will experience your power. Power of provision, the power of healing, power of intervention in their lives, regardless of what the circumstance might be. And in this time of crisis, may you be their hope. I speak that hope into their lives right now. For them, for their loved ones, for them for today and for their future. And may you, dear friend, receive God's help right now. And so, dear Lord, we commend these, your children, who have listened to your word into your mighty hands. And may they experience your goodness today and onwards. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you very much, dear friends. Next week, we're back online at this very time. I know you've been blessed, but do share this message with someone else. Pass it on. And for all of God's sons and daughters, wherever you are, let's just join together in the benediction just now. The Lord bless you, keep you, and turn his face towards you. And all of God's children shall agree together by saying, surely goodness and mercy wholeness, identity and destiny shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will feast at the table spread for me as I fix my eyes on Jesus, the Lamb of God, the author and finisher of our faith and our great high priest. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Shalom, beloved. Shalom.